week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review the self-titled album by Fossil. With different music, this could almost be the Decemberists. I think the reason they work is because they don't really sound like anybody else. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Manichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Jason Ziak. Jay, yeah. this is this is our first podcast of the new year. It is. I bet that I bet that comes as a surprise to you since we're recording it in December. But you're from the future. I am from the future. The way that this works out is I didn't see a DeLorean parked out front. Uh we have to go back, Marty. Wow. How did you like that? That was my that was my uh, Doc Brown. That was incredible. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this podcast, although it's being recorded in December, will not come out until the first week of January. So this is technically our first podcast of season two of Dig Me Out. What an amazing season one we had, Jay. We had uh, interviews with Ben London of Alcohol Funny Car, Ruthie from Magna Pop, both thanks to Mr. Chip Midnight, our contributor. We're, uh, we're ready to go for season two. Uh, this this season will be adding an annoying cousin who will be coming in to act as a foil on every episode. So we'll call him Oliver. And <laughs> we're desperate for some laughs. Yeah, he he'll, he'll have a catchphrase. It'll be something like, "Did I do that?" Or what, uh, what happened? What? <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. So we are uh, we're doing for for episode one of season two. This is an interesting band, Jay. In that nobody's ever heard of them. Yeah. We went super obscure. I went super obscure, I should say. And this was something I wanted to review at the beginning of the season one, but we just kept pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. And uh, finally, at the beginning of season two, we are reviewing the self-titled album by the band Fossil. Why is it the most obscure bands that we review also have the most common names? I don't know. It's and just it's, to annoy you? Yeah, it's to... You know my constant annoyance at <laughs> band names. Europe, I'm looking at you. <laughs> so uh, when you Google the album Fossil by the band Fossil, you're telling me that the first Google result is not the band or the <laughs> album Fossil? No. You have to put in Fossil Self-Titled Album 1995 in order to to find information about this. And you find like three pieces of information. Yeah. That's about it. So the reason why I picked this was because of the song Moon, which is the title track of... Not the title track. It's the first track on the record. Uh, It was a favorite single of mine at the college radio station in Bowling Green back in the day. And for years, I tried to check, track down the record, and I couldn't find it. And it wasn't until I contacted Shell at the I Hate the 90s blog, and she was able to get it and post it. So I don't know anybody who's ever what? heard this record. I have this. I have this CD. You do? Yeah. What? I remember in college, you told me to get it. Did I? Yeah, we were used CD shopping, and you're like, "Oh, you should get that. It's really good." And I got it, and I don't think I ever, I ever listened to it. And then when you brought so it up you, to review, I ripped it. Huh? So I don't know what you're talking about, Willis. Well, she also posted it. 
and I and I commented, thank you for posting it. I've been looking for yeah. this forever. So I got it from both of you then. Well, we know that you we, you threw out most of your music from college, though. So I did, yes. I, I, I turned my back on. Yes. <laughs> you ripped it all at 128K, and you're like, what do I need these CDs for? I've got it all who ripped need, at low bit rate. Who needs it at 328 or whatever? Three, what is it? What's the high rate who one? It's this fancy schmancy Og. <laughs> uncompressed audio black what's that <laughs> i've got a 96k mp3 i can take anywhere anywhere exactly. this is it this is the final format F- fire sale on all timonichi's cds it was i went through like 1200 <laughs> cds in a week i think this is one of them it was it probably was i probably did own it at some point but i don't remember yeah uh, so that's why I picked it because Moon is one of my favorite singles from the entire 90s. What is wrong with you? Shh. Don't start criticizing me yet. <laughs> okay, I'll back off. Before you do, let's do the history of the band. History of the band. Fossil formed in the early 90s in New Jersey by Bob Ogurek on vocals and guitar and Randy Staley on guitar and vocals after their first band, the clowns broke up in 1989. The added bassist Neil Mascaritolo and drummer Tom Catone. And they played two shows at CBGB's in New York city. And they got signed to a management deal with CBGB owner, Hilly Cristal who then got them signed to Sire Records. They released the EP Crumb in 1994 and then the self-titled album, which we're reviewing in 1995. The band had no other releases after that. Uh, Baba Gorick became a lawyer and is not playing a band anymore. And that's the history of Fossil, the shortest history we've ever done of any band. That might've been under a minute. So Jay, I picked this, like I said, because Moon is one of my favorite singles from the 90s for college rock. You know, I'm not comparing this to like Paranoid Android or anything like that. <laughs> but in terms of in terms of my college rock singles, which, which you know, are bands like... Tell me what uh, number two is. Right, I'm, uh, not, I'm sorry. Not, if, um, this isn't number one, right? No, it's this in, isn't number one. But okay. it's, like, it's in that nebulous area of like my favorites of all time. You know, in that... Does it, that, make, does it make the top 10? Like Out of Sight, Out of Mind by Wilco was a college radio single for me. You're uh, putting this up with that? No, I'm just saying in terms of singles, favorite songs that were singles. Obviously, Wilco had a career and I, uh, they're one of my favorite bands. But, but you I'm would, not comparing. You would put that single up to this, I, this song? Oh, yeah. I put that in the same category. Oh, my God. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to have to defend it, apparently, because you're, you're coming out swinging about. Oh, about moon i love the guitar solo. which one of my favorite guitar solos it is a shredding guitar solo in this song and overall the guitar playing on this album i think is really cool i will give you that the guitar player is good and he's got a good tone um, yeah i understand that um some of the influences and going back to listening to this record i, I heard some things that i didn't necessarily love especially in the, the latter half of the album but there's a lot of really interesting stuff that I didn't catch the first time, and I don't want to. I don't want to leak it. I don't want to. I don't want to tip my hat. 
because I'm interested to hear what you have to say first, because you're you're obviously coming from a different um, angle than I am in terms of your oh, like or dislike. Don't okay. Well, to be fair, you know I kind of came into this with a bad attitude. Oh God! Can you imagine? No. So every time this would come up random on my iTunes, since you gave it to me, it would always. I'd always, I'd always get like track. I would always get Moon or Track Three, the, the stuff that's a little bit more. Oh, let's say the Smiths Light or the Cure Light, or at its worst, Rusted Root. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would always tend to get the songs up in you know my random uh, selection. It, it would be one of those tunes which. I was not looking based on that. I was not looking forward to, to reviewing this album. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, I did discover another side of this band on this album that I actually like quite a bit. Um, okay. So, tr- starting with track four, Josephine Baker, right, which is kind of a clever, I thought, uh, you know, theme to kind of play around with. Um, maybe not the most you know inventive thing ever, but it's it sort of you know the lyric. I thought was was pretty well done and it was an interesting sentiment M- you know musically it's um it's a little folky which I kind of liked I thought that worked for them uh, it got them out of that uh, that sort of painful white boy funky kind of thing that they tend to get into a little bit with the you know the guitar the waka waka guitars and the slappy drums and the waka <laughs> <laughs> You know, like when they get out of that, things start to sound more interesting to me. Also put the singer, I think, in a different place um, that complements his voice a lot better. Um, I really, really like track five, Ocean. I think that yeah, that's that's a, a really cool song. That is a very cool song, um, and it's pretty different than most of the uh, the rest of the album. In that, uh, from a drum standpoint, it's not as straightforward. It's um, it's a little bit more creative. It it's, starts out with like a weird beat. It's kind of broken, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And then at like a minute fifteen, it like starts to rock out. It's got an awesome like uh, kind of uh, 
group chorus or something going on. Yeah. Um, almost like a choral, a choir effect. It's not a choir, but it's just the, the guys in the band singing, but it, it sort of has this um, choir aspect to it that is really cool. song has a has a cool build to it it doesn't get over the you know too overboard and get too raucous and sort of become something completely different but uh i really like that song i think it it's it just it has a mood to it which i think a lot of this album just does not it's it gets kind of sterile um and those two songs right off the bat for me they they sort of set a mood and a and a vibe that i liked actually the mm-hmm. the, the josephine baker song sounds a lot like billy joel Actually, the even when they go into the solo, the there's like an accordion solo in that song, and it even like yeah lifts a melody that sounds a lot like Piano Man. Oh, okay, um, that's interesting. So, which I like. I mean, again, I, I thought that song was pretty good, and I actually like that aspect of the band. Um, then as it goes on, there's actually some other bands I hear in there, like uh, Track Eleven, Fiance, remind me of the early Moist album, um, a lot, it, which was okay. Then. You know, track twelve U is a little bit folky. It's a little slower. I think when mm-hmm. they when they're slower, I like them better. Again, it, it gets them out of that. You know, when they get up tempo, they get funky sometimes. That I don't like. I thought try the last song fourteen again. Something completely different. Yeah, it's like an acoustic uh, track with some weird affected vocals. Yeah, and, and this album has ridiculous amounts of delay on the singer's voice to the point where it's distracting and I think it takes away from his you know, the quality of his voice you can't really appreciate it because it's just so much ridiculous delay on his voice on this album on that song it actually works really well because he, he creates a vocal that goes with whatever wacky effects they're using and it comes together to, to create a sound that, that fits the, the mood of the song and I, I think that song's again it, it kind of reminds me of Ocean even has a water theme <laughs> and I think it, it works really well but you know those songs I called out are not I think typical of what you would you had to you know describe what this band sounded like you probably wouldn't include those songs into the equation you would include the other whatever it is 12 or 8 um, other tunes so I, I went into it not thinking I was going to like anything and I actually found um, a handful of songs on here that I think are pretty good. Yeah, I think. <laughs> mm. Mm. I I like. 
some of the bigger the, the the faster stuff i guess you would say nothing past moon nothing really is as up tempo as that i think that's fair to say uh track two tim obviously i have a affection for that song since they it's one of the few songs in the history of rock and roll that shares my name i was getting a and you're gonna probably scoff at this i was getting a buddy judge the grays feel from that song i wrote down beatles okay well then that makes sense okay yeah Yeah, there's definitely like a 60s pop you know i'm not as familiar with jellyfish so i wasn't going to go in the jellyfish route that's why i picked the grays Mm -hmm. but it wasn't to the to the like jason faulkner or um you know john bryan level but yeah i mean let's be clear all those bands are heavily 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 influenced by the Beatles so right it's all in the same ballpark yeah I mean they're not they're not talented enough to do that kind of thing though so it just kind of like I don't know it just was flat for me Track three, you mentioned the, the white boy funk. I'm guessing this is one of the songs that you're <laughs> with the slappy referencing. drums. See, now I actually was hearing more of like that early '90s, like Madchester sound, yeah, yeah with like yeah. Happy Mondays and Primal Scream, yeah, but with like a weird XTC vibe to the like vocal and the delivery and stuff like that. And that's what that was a band, that band, and the police were two bands that I heard having like a subtle sort of influence to a lot of this stuff in terms of, you know, obviously not doing reggae like the police would, but there was definitely like with some of the guitar that was going on when they weren't turning up the distortion, it was like delayed and, and they were doing some, some of that stuff like Andy Summer would do with the picking uh, yeah. and having like a roto vibe kind of feel to some of it. That's where I was coming from with the, you know, maybe the Smiths and the Cure aren't the best reference, but the early 80s pop, you know, college pop stuff, clean guitar soaked in delay and reverb and road vibe and whatever effect. Um, the problem for me with it was it doesn't have any dark aspect to it, you know, and when you you tackle that stuff, the, the best stuff of that era has a has a dark tinge to it, you know, when it, when it really works well. And this doesn't at all. It's too light. It's too, I don't know. It's like lilty or something. It's well, it has a weird, um, like they have to slow down to get dark. Right. To me, it's like when they're up tempo, they're, they just can't be dark. His voice, he goes into a falsetto. 
he does a bunch of really goofy things and you know the drummer and the rhythms fall into fall into bad traps that don't really work very well but when they slow down all of a sudden he sings different um i think the heavier guitar is a little bit more creative um i think it just works it starts to work better at least for me when they start slowing things down so but See, I, I like when he does the falsetto. I I I don't think that like on on uh, on the fall track nine. I like that vibe to that song. got the chimey guitar and he's using a lot of falsetto on that song because that's something that you know i when when sean smith from like pigeonhead and brad and satchel sings a falsetto i, I like that aspect to it and he's not trying to do a soul falsetto like sean smith is doing but he's um he's I, I pr- playing around with this vocal range which i i think is is good as opposed to somebody who's just going to stick in one you know particular groove for the whole album yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it the, the moments he does it, it, it sort of is too much. It, usually because the music's too light at that point, too. So you get this, like, flowery, happy music, and then he's doing the falsetto over top, and it's just way too much in one direction for me. It, it, I, I kept writing down James, which is a band I'm not that familiar with, but does that make any sense? Is that where the... Well, yeah, because James was coming out of the early 90s British, you know, I mean, they started out a little bit differently than they ended up. A lot of people know them only from their single Laid. Yeah. But that was a little bit later in their career. That was kind of, of, I mean, that song was at times what this band was reminding me of. Well, you know, this band has a weird thing going on lyrically where it's not poetic, but it's definitely grandiose in a lot of ways i mean the songs like ocean and moon and rebellion and they're like these big idea songs um martyr's wife i was reading about that is i believe they're making references to jesus christ and like mary magdalene and stuff like that in that song all i know is it features that lyric god created irony and something something i was just like oh my lord it it was but i think he's being sarcastic in that like the way he sings it, though, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's 
kind of clingy. Yeah. It almost has a, um, you know, in a different, if, with different music, this could almost be the Decembrists in terms of what they're singing about mm. and, you know, and then getting later on, that might be a band I bring up. But uh, I did want to mention track 10, Tethered, which kind of reminded me of like first or second album Catherine Wheel without the tin can recording technique more like more second album yeah but it had like those swirling guitars that are on some of those albums was sort of an entry point where i was trying to figure out what they what that sounded like i heard a lot of just british early early 90s and then obviously mentioning ecstasy and the police that's you know eight early 80s stuff but a lot of those like james is a good one that i didn't think of but especially that like i mentioned heavy mondays and promo scream and not necessarily the shoegaze stuff but just like the more I guess jammy is the way to put it, but more more rhythm set oriented than um, song oriented. Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of stuff that, to me, it just doesn't work. So when they get in that mode, I'm like, uh, um, fortunately, they don't stay there all the time. Um, so there are some other, I think, flavors to this band that, that appear in this album that you, you may like more instead. Yeah. And I didn't, you know... I said I wanted to review this at the beginning of the first year. It's just because this is such an odd record for the time, I think. I mean, I can't think of an, another band from 95 when this came out that this remotely compares to. Uh, how about live? Yeah. what? Like Mental Jewelry. I, that, that, that album is kind of like this. Yeah, they're a little more... Um, this this band's a little bit more restrained. When I think of mental, when I think of live, I think of Ed Kowalchuk getting up in your face with his, you know, shaved head and his long rat tail. And that was uh, that was throwing copper. They got a little, they got more like darker and a little bit more serious. But yeah, you know, what they were, the they, were album, pretty, they were pretty. They were pretty aggressively, um, you know, Operation Tyranny or whatever the hell the songs were in. Uh, what the hell? I don't remember. That first, I just remember being really put off by that first record because it was so. I'm singing about important things with an acoustic guitar strumming really fast. And on the second record, I think, you know, they added the electric guitars. And I, I guess, yeah, that that's a comparison. Um, it, it's I, a lot I would say it's, it's in the ballpark. Yeah. The time frame's about right. 
I don't know. I'm always off with the time frames now. I don't know if, if Live came out in 91, 97. Yeah, what am I talking about? I could be totally <laughs> off. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> I want to say you're right. That it was around 95 well, that one of those live albums came out. I think so. Throwing Copper came out in... Oh, shit. I was in college, so it had to be after 93. So we should be... I don't know. Maybe this is this is a useless point. Time frames could have been completely different, but that was a band that I, thought, I at least thought of that sort of made some sense. Uh, I am I am checking right now so that we can be sure of. Okay, throwing copper came out in '94, so we're Holy we're right around shit. that. Yeah, mental jewelry came out in '91. Wow. Throwing copper '94, secret samadhi, that craptacular album <laughs> came out in '97. That the one with the dolphin song? No, that's the one with Lakini's Juice. I like throwing copper so much. I just kept buying every album they put out after that. It took me a while to finally admit that they all <laughs> that they were done. They could not make another good album. No, the Dolphins Cry is on the Distance to Here, which came out in '99. <laughs> uh, I remember when that came out, and I remember us. You know, I wasn't the biggest live fan. I was like, you know, I, I sort of. I guess with a lot of people, I don't know that there are huge live fans. There probably are. I'm probably wrong, but I remember being a little disappointed with Secret Samadhi because Throwing Copper had like five singles off of it. Yeah. And you know, and I, anybody who was, you know, into alternative rock at that point, not the underground stuff, but just in the mainstream alternative rock, was into that album. You had that. You had that album. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way getting around that. But when Secret Samadhi came out, the band had obviously decided they were going to make alt rock like popular alt rock and it started to go down down from there we should have known from, from that the, horrible album title that, that was all over yeah once you introduce some sort of weird uh eastern european or uh or um uh, not eastern, eastern european uh <laughs> eastern philosophies and... eastern philosophy influence yeah it's yeah. not a good sign yeah i don't want this to devolve into a, a analysis of live's career though um, Why not? That's more interesting than this record. Probably okay. Probably. So let's okay. So let's move to the stuff that you liked. Yeah. You mentioned live as a sort of entry point to this band. If you like live, you might like this record. I mentioned earlier the Decemberists because I can sort of hear that like literary end of it with some of his lyric writing which if you're into colin malloy and the decemberists um this might be of interest to you uh especially because their press photo is them dressed up like 1920s miners with like dirt on their face and it's a black and white photo and it's that was uh, on the back of the cd is that okay? It's on the back of the CD too. Yeah, it's and kind actually, of a, I a thought, very specific, specific time frame. I actually thought that that was remembering back. I, I was thinking that was the album cover. Um, so when I actually put the MP3s on and went and got the album art, and it brought the real album cover up, I, I was confused. <laughs> For some reason, I just always saw the back of that CD, and just that picture to me always seemed like that was the album cover. But the album gotcha. cover is actually like. I don't know, it's like a turtle fossil or something. Yeah, it, well, it's like a fossil because that's yeah, the band. Clever. Yes, I, I, I had a hard time otherwise. You know, besides the band that I mentioned, his influences, I had a hard time 
saying who this might be for. Uh, mostly because you're not going to be able to find the record to buy it if you even like it, because <laughs> it's so obscure. But it, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, you mentioned that this being a lesser graze, but I don't think that's far off in terms of if you haven't listened to a lot of Giant Brian or you haven't listened to a lot of Jellyfish, and you're like, hey, I kind of like that Jelly that Graze podcast. This might be something that, you know, might be of interest for some of the at least some of the songs. Well, I mean, if you were into. Uh, all the bands that you listed, like the Happy Mondays and stuff, wouldn't this? Well, I kind of think that there are elements of the Happy Mondays and some of the rhythm stuff, but I don't think that lyrically or in terms of overall vibe that that's going to be something. Yeah. I think maybe more XTC uh, or the police or you know some of those, I don't know what to call them. They're not post-punk uh, bands, but I guess New yeah. Wave. Uh, yeah, I, there's I get, I, there's an early '80s pop, again pop, all college kind of thing here. Like you said, a lot of the band, the Police, and you know bands like that that they're definitely drawing from. And for the most part, I think that's pretty much where they're where they are. It, it doesn't sound like a '90s record. I think what what's a little bit odd and why we can't find other bands um, from the time period that are really like them is that. It doesn't have any of the angst, really. Um, at least in the majority of the songs that you would typically find in a '90s record, you know, it doesn't have that like thumbprint of Nirvana on it or influence from of Nirvana and you know, uh, hardcore and some of the other things that I think we've we've heard um, a lot in the in the reviews we've done over the last year. It doesn't right. have really any of those elements. I guess if you had to pick one big band from the '90s that they would be closest to I think you'd probably either say Jane's Addiction or Red Hot Chili Peppers like you know I'm talking like the mega bands those are probably more in the ballpark of where these guys are Mm. Um, but even those two bands have you know either darker or more fun aspects to them than this band does there's more in the middle you know the, the point I struggle with trying to recommend it is the songs that I really like and I think they're actually really good and I'll continue to listen to don't sound really much like any of the other songs on the album and don't really I think the reason they work is because they don't really sound like anybody else you know like I said <laughs> track four Josephine Baker the best comparison I can find is Billy Joel so but I don't think I could say hey if you like Billy Joel you're gonna like this album no <laughs> that's, that's definitely an anomaly to that one song right yeah, if you like the River of Dreams, you're gonna love this album. How about like Ten Thousand Maniacs or something like that, or Rusted Root, or I thought it was funny when you said Rusted Root because I, I sort of at that moment thought, oh yeah, there is a little bit of that, but I don't think Rusted Root had even come out at that point. Yeah, so. but but those kinds of bands, you know, you may if you're into that, right? I think that's closer to where this band's coming from. There's that one oddball guitar player in the band though that does have a pretty kick-ass you know good guitar tone and you you can tell wants to wants to rip into some of these songs which he he gets a chance to do um but i take it i, I get the impression that he's probably not the main songwriter no so, so he's just finding his spots so i know you didn't like the uptempo songs but did you you didn't like you, you didn't have a, an impression of that solo in the in moon no yeah i did i i, I made a note of that and you know it gets a little bit 
when that lead comes in, things get a little bit grittier and start heading in the right direction. Unfortunately, that's, you know, halfway through the song. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, so when I heard that, you know, it got my hopes up. And, and I think there's a couple songs on it where um, that happens again. There's actually one, it's called Thunder Shower, track seven, where mm-hmm. it actually is pretty heavy in terms of, the, you know, the guitar tone. And um, it's a little darker and it's got a riff to it. The problem is the singer doesn't, he doesn't really say anything on that song. He, like, just makes noises and yells and stuff right like i don't even know if there's any lyrics to that song i'm pretty sure that there are lyrics but i think that it's yeah it's not as uh straightforward as you would as you hear in some of the other songs yeah it's kind of weird so that was one song that you know it recaptured some of the stuff that happens on the lead on the first song but overall it's it's kind of not a full song because the vocals are kind of mailed in it sounds like uh <laughs> it sounds like uh what a singer would do before they have the, the lyrics done like they would come in and just start yelling stuff and making noises and trying to figure out like what the melodies might be and then they'll go back and you know that, it, that serves as a sketch and then they'll write lyrics around that actually create a song it sounds like they never got to that point i don't know i can't uh, i can't track down anybody from the band so, and Bob's a lawyer now. He doesn't want to talk about it. Oh, well, but we'll talk about it. That's our job here on Dig Me Out is to dig out not only the stuff that you think is totally awesome and we should review, but the stuff that you've never heard of and uh, we'll probably never listen to. But we need to bring <laughs> these things to light. We need to bring them to light so that they have their moment in the sun. What's the point of the show is we don't, we don't know. Before I, I think that's another misconception about the show that Tim and I talked before like oh did you like the record oh you didn't okay well let's not do it we don't do that like we schedule what albums are going to get reviewed and what you hear recorded on the show is our true and first reaction to each other how we felt about the record it's so, true it's not always going to be you know positive sometimes it's going to be yeah that actually wasn't that good and you know we're going to try to capture what our thoughts are and why you may disagree when you listen to the samples in this episode you might disagree and with either of us and uh want to go find out for yourself so do it 
By the way, the name Samadhi from Secret Samadhi of the live album, mm-hmm. Samadhi is a state of Hindu meditation. Oh, God. So if you want to know where live started going wrong, it was when Ed Kowalchuk discovered Hindu meditation. That's what I want to hear from a couple, a bunch of kids from Pennsylvania. That's yeah, almost exactly. as bad as uh, OAR using Rastafarian references in their music. It's like, oh my, kill me. You're a bunch of, a bunch of Ohio State students from Connecticut. The last thing in the world you are is Rastafarians. We need to start a, a new podcast called Are You Kidding Me? Where we just, every week we tackle some ridiculous aspect of a band. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, the Rastafarian element of OAR, the uh, Hindu element of live. It'll just be five minutes of us oh bitching about something. Dopey white kids it, dabbling in other people's culture. Yes. Because <laughs> they think it's cool. Exactly. You can expect that podcast sometime in 2012. <laughs> All right, that's it for Fossil. Uh, if you would like to leave us feedback, please stop by our website, digmeoutpodcast.com, uh, and the, all the links are there to buy this record to, uh, on Amazon, I believe, and uh, to uh, you know check out more information on uh, their All Music page, allmusic.com page uh, is where you want to go. You can probably, I bet you can still find this album used, like at UCD stores. Especially if they're near a college. Yeah. Because this, this was in college radio. I, I remember, because that's how I got it. And I I, uh, I want to say that like, it was one of those albums, every time I'd be at a UCD place, it, it would always be in the sh- somewhere in the racks. Oh, yeah. Usually for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. So that's a heck of a lot cheaper than buying it on Amazon. Although you, no, know, you can buy UCDs yeah. on Amazon, too. So maybe it's on their used. Probably. I'm, I'm almost guaranteeing it's on their used. So There you go. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Want to leave feedback? Join the conversation about this episode. Visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Hey, hey, hey.